eine Frage. Our house being told that not everyone in the audience understands German. Is that correct? Is there anyone who would prefer me to speak English? Yeah? Okay. Then I will do the presentation in English. I hope that's okay. Yeah? Well, thank you for the uh, uh, introduction. My name is Henriette Kühl. You said that. I'm heading the Capital Markets Legal Team of Siemens AG here in Munich. And I had the pleasure to uh, support Siemens uh, with the issuance of our first blockchain bond earlier this year. And I'm very excited to share some aspects of this transaction with you here today. You asked the questions already. Was the transaction faster? Was it more efficient? Was it more digital? Let's find out. As if you haven't seen this, this is our official press release. So on 14th February this year, Siemens issued its first crypto debt securities on a public blockchain. And this was, and actually still is, big news. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Um, shortly after we issued this press release, it was all over LinkedIn, Twitter, it was in Cointelegraph, Handelsblatt, Börsenzeitung, you name it. Every media, be it digital or print, uh, talked about our transaction. And why is that? Because Siemens was actually the first DAX corporate who made use of the new German Electronic Securities Act and issued crypto securities on a public blockchain. The German Uh, Act on Electronic Securities came into force in June 2021 and was part of the uh, blockchain strategy of the German government. It allows for the first time the issue of paperless debt securities under German law. Prior to the Act, a paper certificate, a Urkunde, was still mandatorily required and a major obstacle for digitalization of these products. The Act actually allows for two types of uh, digital securities, centrally registered securities and crypto securities. Siemens issued the crypto securities. Now, you could ask yourself very rightly, why on earth would someone like Siemens AG want to do anything like that? And you're right. There are a lot of negative vibes and bad press. When we did this transaction, The cryptocurrency markets were in the complete downfall. They are recovering a little bit right now. We'll see how sustainable that is. But at that point of time, there was a big issue. We had the bankruptcy of FTX, the biggest crypto exchange worldwide. They declared bankruptcy in November last year, so just shortly before our transaction. And people were talking about the crypto winter. The crypto winter is a common expression for a serious ex period of ex an extended period of serious trouble and uh, you know issues in the crypto market. But actually, all these issues have nothing to do with our blockchain bond. <laughs> and in fact, the talk about the crypto winter had shifted industry's attention back to the technology behind these products, because there is a big difference between and mostly unregulated crypto bubble and serious instruments like our blockchain bond. As you can see here, there are a lot of new laws and regulations who deal with every aspect of digital assets. We are here. Yeah? And it's important to stress that the regulation of instru financial instruments on a blockchain are not less than in the paper world. And 
there are a lot of important voices in the financial markets industry, including academia like Frankfurt School of Finance, who believe that the blockchain technology will play a vital role in the financial markets infrastructure in the future, especially in capital market transactions. Christopher, you showed us the expected uh, market uh, volume, you know, rising up to the horizon uh, uh, within 2030 or 50, whatever you said. So that's what the market thinks. So it's, it's important for us to understand this technology and to try it out and to not to miss opportunities. That's what also our, that is also what our board thinks. Um, this is a, a quote of um, our CFO, Professor Dr. Ralf Thomas in the Handelsblatt earlier this year. He believes that a, the internal finance department needs to understand the technical um, problems and the technical issues of its internal customers and needs to build up its own digital competency. He even just talked last week about a paradigm shift that he expects in internal finance departments of corporations like Siemens because of the use of digitization and AI. We're hearing a lot of AI later on today. So that's another topic that Siemens is thinking about. That is why we are looking into the blockchain technology. And that is why we already in 2019 made headlines with the first legally binding securities transaction on a blockchain. That was a test transaction. It was a private blockchain and it was governed by Luxembourg law. It was still big news then. And it also led uh, the path for many other transactions which followed. But, uh, of course, we created even bigger headlines now with our Lighthouse transaction uh, in February when we issued the first um, blockchain bond on a public blockchain. So, that's enough to the why. How did we do this? I have uh, included a transaction overview here in the slides. Uh, I will walk you through this, <laughs> don't worry. So on the left-hand side, I will try the pointer, if that works. You, will you see Siemens AG as the issuer uh, of the bonds. Next to Siemens AG, you see this uh, HAL. HAL is the abbreviation for Haukaufhäuser Lampe. We needed a crypto securities registrar for the transaction because the new law substitutes the paper certificate with the registration of the bonds in a crypto debt securities register. The keeping of a crypto security debt register is a regulated financial services activity in Germany. So we needed to find someone who has the necessary license. And Haukaufhäuser Lampe is actually one of the few entities and even fewer banks who applied for this license. They have an intermediary license. There is no final license out yet, unfortunately but they can do this service. So next, Siemens um, um, entered into direct sale and purchase agreements with the investors. You see the investors here behind me on the right-hand side of the slide. Uh, the investors purchased the securities directly from Siemens. There was no one in the middle. <laughs> um, on the issue date, Hauk Aufhäuser then, uh, doesn't work, registered the securities in the crypto debt securities register, which is, in our case, Polygon. Polygon is a public blockchain. It is uh, more precisely a side chain to Ethereum. It is fast, cheap, and energy efficient. The registration on a blockchain um, 
happens via the deployment of a smart contract, which then creates token. I will get to that part in a little, in more detail in a minute. You just need to understand that you basically have token on the blockchain, and the token needs to be kept in a custody, in a wallet. So or that is also the keeping or the uh, the keeping of digital assets on a blockchain is also a regulated financial services activity in Germany. So you need to find someone again who has the necessary custodial license. So the investors um, uh, engaged Hauk Alpha as a digital custody here in the middle as the custodian for the digital assets. Okay. So and the bonds were registered. Uh, in the name of these two collective uh, custodians here in the middle between the investors. I'm sorry, this doesn't really work. The investors and the custodian. So we talked about direct sale to investors. We talked about no certificate. Now it says no central clearing on this slide. There is no central clearing available for blockchain securities transactions. So we somehow had to make sure that still the securities weren't registered before the payment price was actually received. Therefore, we engaged Hauk Aufweiser Lampe also as our paying agent, who had to make sure that uh, the exchange and the payment price would sort of match. We didn't include um, the paying, or I didn't include the paying agent on the slide, because the payment of the purchase price in this transaction actually happened off-chain, with normal euros through normal banking accounts. So, as I promised, let's have a bit more detailed look into the issuance and the actual registration of the securities on the blockchain. First of all, the issuer needs to prepare the necessary documentation. And uh, the heart of every securities transaction are the T's and C's. The T's and C's are produced in a normal way and then deposited in cooperation with the registrar on a specified website. Next, a hash value is created out of these T's and C's. A hash is a mathematical function which converts an input into an encrypted output. And whenever you use this function again with the same data, you will receive, receive the exact same output. In our case, a unique uh, string of numbers and characters. That way you can validate, with this function you can validate that the data hasn't been altered. This hash value is included into a smart contract, which is then deployed via a tokenization interface onto the blockchain. A smart contract is nothing else but a code. It's a program code. In our case, a code that will produce a certain amount of token if certain conditions are fulfilled. So if the conditions are fulfilled, the smart contract creates token which then end up on the blockchain. Each token represents one security. You can see that the crypto debt securities register is actually divided into two parts. There is an off-chain part of the register and an on-chain part. Now let us have a bit more closer look into the token itself. This is a data model of a typical securities token. A securities token is an ERC-20 token, that's simply the industry standard, how you program a securities token. There are different standards for, for example, N NFTs, non-fungible token, or utility token. An ERC-20 token is the typical securities token standard. And it always contains these type of data. First of all, a symbol. The symbol of a securities token is quite simple, 
the securities identification number that every bond has in the traditional world and also in the digital world. It also contains this information supply. Supply means that this token, um, that the smart contract that created this token, created in a maximum 1,000 tokens. So you know that there are, in this example, 1,000 identical tokens uh, of this kind. There's also the paper contract hash included in the token. That is nothing else but the hash value that we created before out of our terms and conditions. By that, you basically connect your terms and conditions of the bond with your token. The um, uh, token also contains the holder address, which is the public key or the wallet address of the owner of the token, and something called whitelist. Um, the background for the whitelist item is that technically a token like this is freely transferable. However, as an issue of bonds, you need to make sure that every holder of your token is KYC'd and complies with sanction rules. So technically, you make sure, uh, you, 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 uh, you deal with that by making sure that the token cannot be transferred to an address which is not listed on the whitelist. So, that was the theory behind. Let us look. That is now the blockchain itself. This is a screenshot from Polygon Scan. Polygon Scan is like a, a Polygon is a public blockchain. So, Polygon Scan is a public internet site that everyone can access. Yeah? And the Polygon Scan lists every data of every transaction that ever occurred on the Polygon blockchain. Yeah? So this is a screenshot from Polygon Scan on the date after our issue. You identify, you see the token, you can identify this um, by the securities identification number up here. And you can see that we had, we had a total supply of 600. I think you see this without the, um, uh, without the pointer. So our smart contract created 600 identical token. Each token represents one security and each security basically represents a claim against Siemens for the repayment of 100,000 euros. That's what we stipulated in the T's and C's. So 600 times 100,000 equals the 60 million aggregate issue amount. You also see that we have three holders at the beginning and three transfers uh, have taken place. If you want to know more about the transfers, you simply click on the word transfer in the, yeah, and you land on this page where you get all the information about the transfers who are recorded on Polygon. You see every transfer has a, um, a unique identification hash number again, that you find it again. You see the, tr the transaction method here is issue because it was the creation of the token. Uh, you see the exact point of time that the tokens were transferred. And you see from which address to which address the tokens were transferred and in which amount which quantity. Um, there are t three different timestamps. Each transaction here has a different timestamp. That is because, like I said before, we had to make sure that the registration of the token only took place once the purchase price was on the account of the paying agent. So, you know, there's a little bit of a difference, but in the end, you can see the, it was pretty exact, at least on the same day. If you want to know more about your holders, you can click on the rider holder up there and you land on this page where you see the distribution of your token between your, your holders and you see 
the public wallet address or the public key of your holders, of your investors. What you do not see and what you will never see on a blockchain are clear names. So that was a bit digital, <laughs> digital facts about our transaction. What's next? Uh, let us think back to the questions that uh, you and I posed at the beginning of the presentation. Was this transaction faster? It actually was. It was faster than our normal transactions. We, uh, made, uh, we settled this uh, transaction in T plus one. Normally, we have a much longer uh, time period in between, between issue and settlement. And we only had T plus one because we actually had a weekend in between, <laughs> just as a security buffer in case something goes wrong. In real, you could have plus nothing. Yeah, you could issue and settle on the same day. Was it more efficient? Um, that's a bit of a tricky question because, of course, this was a first-of-a-kind transaction. And a first-of-a-kind transaction is always not very efficient because you have to ask yourself a lot of new questions and you have to involve a lot of new departments like cybersecurity and IT, which normally do not get involved in a securities transaction. So I don't know if that transaction was more efficient. But I think if you duplicate it again, it could be quite efficient. Was it more digital? I hope I've shown you that it was... <laughs> way more digital than any other securities transaction that you normally see. So yes, definitely more digital. And that leads to a lot of opportunities, I think. There are definitely opportunities for these type of transactions. However, there are also challenges. And one of the big challenges is that this is a completely new legal playing field. There were loads and loads of legal questions open and also technical aspects which are not really evolved. And they will only, all these questions will only be answered over time. So this, has, this is nothing that will, you know, go up. Your, your market expectation, I think it was a long time frame. And I agree with that. It will not be the major source of funding for corporates, you know, within the next year. One of the biggest challenges, however, is the lack of programmable money. Um, here I've shown, this on this page, I've included the heart of every securities transaction, and I've mentioned this before. It's the delivery versus payment mechanism. Both sides of the transaction, the issuer and the investor, has a vital interest that there is no exchange of security, or you know, neither the, the security exchanges nor the payment, the purchase price exchanges, uh, you know, without each other. Both of these ex uh, have to happen, ideally, simultaneously and in an insolvency remote environment. In a traditional securities transaction, that is secured by a central clearing system. You have a neutral central clearing system in the middle, which makes sure that this happens simultaneously and close to insolvency remoteness. In a blockchain transaction, this should ideally be secured by the blockchain technology itself. However, it's not enough to simply you know, substitute the paper certificate with an ERC-20 token. And Till we did, do not have an equivalent for our paper uh, money, you know, or uh, euro in, in a digital form, or at least in a programmable form, that we can ex have this exchange on chain. I don't see that this is a really there. There is any way to have this in the same secure way uh, done as in a traditional world. So that was basically our transaction are there if you have any questions i'm happy to take them now or also later in the break or also you can contact me anytime afterwards by email or i'm um, also on linkedin but yes i see a question i have two questions actually uh, on the on the cluster 
Um, on the custody side, do you have any limitations on who can get uh, whitelisted? Is it only like a wallet with a regulated custodian? Or could I also get my own decentralized wallet being whitelisted for the custody? And the other question uh, from when you do the payments off-chain and go through the on-chain transaction, is that being manually done by the, by the paying agent? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> That's why it's not scalable yet. I told you that. <laughs> um, and first question, yes, of course, you can get any did, uh, wallet uh, listed, white listed, as long you follow the um, KYC process, you're onboarded. Yeah. Any other question? There's one. Oh, there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, maybe one question from my end, which I'm always wondering about why a public blockchain like why why not just like a distributed database that is controlled by like a central registrar or like a distribution of registrars that we have in like classical banks like why does it need to be a public blockchain what's the key in here it doesn't need to be a public blockchain i mean we've done the first transaction 2019 on a private blockchain that's definitely also possible the question is then only is it is it interchangeable i mean if you want to if you think about scalability of these transactions you want in the end that the investors can transfer their token freely you know in the in the in the world otherwise you know this is an investment opportunity for the for the holder right they don't want to usually sit on the token uh, until repayment date they want to you know, work with it. And uh, the more interoperability you have between blockchains, the better, better it is. And if you have a private blockchain, that's probably not possible. That's why we tried the public blockchain. So Hermann Gump from Innobyte, a question. Did you consider switching to a block graph? Since most of the AI companies are now using block graphs, like um, distributed databases um, that allow not only the linear commits, like the blockchain, but also parallel commits. And would it be possible, for example, to make it faster and um, more transparent without having all the overhead? As you said, it's a, it's a side chain of uh, Bitcoin, so probably under of ESG Ethereum. of Ethereum. So also, since this is all li linked also to the mining things, it's linked to it, so under um, ESG criteria, wouldn't it be better to use a block graph and, for example, use a public Git repo to publish these kind of things? I'm, I'm always happy for the next project. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good idea. We'll take that to the business and suggest it. Thank you. <laughs> Any further questions? Why did you use uh, Lux law at the time in Be 2019? Because the German law didn't exist then. Okay. German law was still, it was still required to have a paper certificate under German law at that point of time. That's why we couldn't do it under German law. Any further questions? also become uh, uh, or get into the equity of the company uh, and then the question is really because of the unanimity I mean because you don't know who, who the equity holder is and then there could be a lot of issues um, the current version of the electronic securities act only allows bearer bonds only yeah, yeah but okay. the Zukunftsfinanzierungsgesetz on the way yeah, yeah there is a and that includes the e-aktie. So it will be possible once the Zukunftsfinanzierungsgesetz is out there. And next to your next point, it's not anonymous. You know who your holders are. You know the you don't know the clear name. You know the wallet address, and it, the wallet address is unique to the person who's behind it. So you have to, like I like I said also with the with our bond transaction, you have to do the KYC process. So you have to know who's behind it. It's just not public. Fantastic. Last question still? 
Okay, thank you so much. Um, Henriette, amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, we learned really a lot.